It's now my great pleasure to uh, introduce uh, Laurie Chetwood um, to give a presentation at this session, uh, which is about post-COVID shopping. Um, Laurie is chairman of Chetwood Architects and um, a man of many parts. He draws beautifully. Uh, he has kind of radical ideas in respect of many different aspects of architecture and urbanism. Uh, he's done kind of big retail shed supermarkets, for want of a better phrase. Um, he's proselytized on behalf of um, low energy design, both with buildings and also uh, with installations. Um, and today he's going to talk about this, uh, this, this curious and unexpected challenge, I suppose. It's unexpected, brought out initially by the rise and rise of internet shopping and then exaggerated, especially in the UK, uh, by the pandemic. Uh, for those of you who know London, uh, if you walk down Oxford Street today, all you can see is famous brand names who are literally and metaphorically shutting up shop. People are now talking about what do you do with a redundant department store or how do you, what do you do if you demolish the, the shopping centre? Will it bring, bring, bring life back to the high street? What is going to happen to the high street? Will it mean cheaper units? Will that be a good thing? Anyway, to reflect on some or possibly all of this, Laurie, over to you and welcome. Oh, thank you, Paul. Yes, uh, we've been in uh, architectural practice for about 30 years, and part of that, a good part of that, has been retail. We have looked at some of those things that Paul mentioned. We've looked at department stores, we've looked at shopping centres, food stores, out-of-town retail, and all of them, as everybody knows, are, are struggling. All those sectors are struggling. That sector particularly is struggling. So I think we're well-placed to talk about it. Next slide, please, Toby. Um, I'm putting this one up. This is probably our best known um, uh, piece of architecture. It's the store at uh, Sainsbury's store at Greenwich. I put it up because not only did it get onto the shortlist of the Sterling Prize, which is something of a feat for a, a supermarket, but it, it was brilliant in one way. It addressed the environmental story, but it, it was sort of flawed. And it wasn't actually our fault that it was flawed. It was on a peninsula, the Greenwich Peninsula, that had had a master plan which looked backwards rather than forwards. It was a big site, it had 750 cars outside it, so all the environmental stuff that we've managed to achieve inside the store was slightly undone by the, the parking outside, as the Friends of the Earth uh, told us in no uncertain terms. And a great store, but it was sort of flawed. And those sort of ideas have sort of come out a bit in, in, in the high street and, and the retail environment generally. Next slide, slide please. Um, so the idea today is to really look at the rise and fall of the retail sector, why COVID-19 has accelerated that fall and possibly could accelerate the rise. That, that's the bit I want to try and get across. Logistics, the fastest growing sector that is part of the problem, but could also provide an answer. Logistics are, is associated with, with retail and particularly on, online retail. So is that a problem? But it could be an answer. And then just as a bit of a teaser, how London's six mile long brownfield site is part of the solution. That, that is for, for, for later on. So just very quickly, I thought I'd go through some of the the history, really. The, the golden era of retail was probably something around Victorian maybe Edwardian times, 
where urbanism had taken place. People had come in from, from rural areas and, and by a sort of organic process, a high street started to work and function with the community. Things had happened naturally, I suppose that's the reason. And 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 it, and it was a special place. Communities grew up, um, people knew each other, uh, it was local produce and so forth. Since the war, supermarkets started to come in. That started to take a great place to shop, very, very efficient, one-stop shop, but obviously did drag some of the life out of the high street some of those butchers and the bakers that we all get to know if we if we do shop locally um, didn't start to happen for quite a big proportion of the, of the, the public so that then went to out-of-town retail which began to make the problem worse and on top of that online shopping which which really i suppose it's worked on the basis that people find it convenient but on the other hand was it much fun actually going to uh, uh, a high street which which was very similar to other high streets was sort of featureless possibly not great to be out there in the weather so it's it's a natural thing basically the high street was over geared to retail it was different to the victorian high street which had not just retail it had lots of different things that you could go there as a sort of one-stop shop retail high streets generally lately have become have become over geared really to retail there's a little bit of Brexit uncertainty, I suppose, but certainly by January, things were looking grim. There are lots of empty spaces and really the writing was on the wall. Next slide, please. So I won't bore you with the figures. Um, let's, let, if you go to the next slide, please. That's it. The, the figures are, are there to be seen, really. Um, you can... I won't go through them all. There's one particular one. Over 18 million square feet of retail space has become vacant over the last year. Um, another one at the bottom there, 44% of local high streets can be classified as multifunctional. That, that is, there's some interesting facts there which really tell the story of what's happening. Obviously, next slide please, the press jumped on this and, and made, made a lot out of it. And actually, having seen what's been happening today and, and yesterday with the uh, Debenhams and Arcadia, maybe they weren't far far wrong, but the the sort of the final nail in the coffin, really, up till now anyway, has been obviously the virus and the fact that 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 has sh literally shut down stores, as Paul mentioned. Um, but the premise today is to try and discuss the problems, but also look for a, a solution. And, and you can see in that top quote there, the COVID nineteen crisis will cause five years change to our high streets in less than twelve months. Now, that, that's quite an interesting point. Will it actually be a benefit? Will people at last get off their backsides and do something about this? Because it's been happening for a while, and I think there's an opportunity here for us designers to get in amongst it, understand the problem, and see what we can do with it. Next slide, please. So beyond, beyond the problems, there's quite a lot written out there about uh, how things can be improved, how we can change the gearing, how can we bring other ideas into the high street or into retail generally to start making it serve the community better. But the issue, and there's some great ideas, um, you can have a look at the list here. The issue here though is what is the driving force behind it? What's the economic driving force? There has to be a driver. It's great to have these ideas, but what is actually making it happen? And my contention, next slide please, is that it could well be logistics. Now, 
I think this is a, obviously it is a fast growing sector. It's a little known sector, actually. It's not usually mentioned in architectural circles, particularly, but it has got a huge amount of impetus and weight behind it at the moment. And it's something that can be, I think, used to our advantage to reinvigorate communities and the high street. And it's a strange thing to say because it, on first glance doesn't actually seem to say that. There's quite a lot written about how we can reinvigorate retail, uh, bringing in food, uh, looking at food in a different way, repurposing spaces within the high street, so much empty space, such great opportunities for, for designers. These car parks, we don't all need cars now. That's becoming apparent. Those car parks, and we're working on some of them, I'll show them later, where they're being repurposed. They've been bought by developers, but they're not being used as, as car parks. Um, residential is a much quoted idea lots of space in the high street bring in residential great let's get people back into the high street and let's start making them into communities again but not everybody can come back into the high street the suburbs are too big so it's part of the part of an answer but not the full one next slide please the next the one i really want to focus on is the high street or retail and logistics really i want to discuss that and show how that could be the driving force Next slide, please. I don't want you to all have switched off at the mention of logistics. It's not the most glamorous thing, as I said earlier, but it has got a history. The history generally is big boxes on the side of motorways, fairly anonymous, uh, doing what they, it says on the tin, really, keeping weather off um, space underneath, which is well-conditioned before goods are taken elsewhere and distributed. More complicated than you'd think, to be honest. Uh, 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 a small problem on such a big scale becomes a very large problem. So if you get the floors wrong, if you get if you get the cladding wrong, all sorts of things because of the scale of the things. These good things go up from 500,000 square feet right beyond a million square feet in one go. So it, it's a good sector. It, it's, it's addressed by some well-meaning developers who make sure that they're doing things in the right way from the environmental point of view, like Gaisley. Uh, the next next slide, please. This particular one is one we've just completed for them, which is the world's first development to be net zero carbon for construction. So, so they're doing a good job, um, these, these, these warehouses. They're, they're doing the best they can. But on the sides of motorways, they don't really have to do very much else other than remain anonymous uh, and keep their heads down as best they can. I'm saying that in the future, they have to take responsibility. If they are coming into town, which they are beginning to, we as designers have to help them make the transition from this space into, into urban situations. Just a couple more. Next slide, please. On, um, I think we're a bit behind, actually, Toby. Yeah, next one beyond that. And the next one. There you go. This is Chatterley Valley. This is the first Briam outstanding uh, building, uh, which we did for Gaisley. It, it shows that even out of town, you can start involving the community with such a thing as a distribution warehouse. I won't go into detail because we're running out of time, but that is that is something, I suppose I'm sort of saying we've pushed the envelope as far as we can in this regard, and this sector has now got to grow up when we come nearer town. This one, the next slide, please, Toby, is, is the latest one we've done, and this definitely involves the community. Spaces within the warehouse are, are involving the community, we have allotments around the edge. We've got a very big environmental story. The whole thing is powered by wind and PV. 
Um, and it's, it's obviously advertising the fact next to the A5 there. So uh, next one, please. Um, this is a competition winning entry. This is how do you actually lose a 5 million square feet of, of distribution warehouse um, out, out, out of town. And this is all about uh, a community, really. It's involving retail. It's involving people who work there are actually living there. So a massive live-work idea, which, 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 broadly speaking, links in with the infrastructure, but tries to keep things uh, out of sight. And I think there's quite a lot of this uh, around. And I, I bemoan the fact that maybe in some of the new settlements that we're coming up with, we don't put a layer of logistics or a layer of utilities lower down with and create a green and pleasant land on top and this comes up a couple of times next please um this is this is a, a job we're working from rectory farm it's right near heathrow it's gravel pits basically underground uh gravel pits gravel obviously being mined causes trouble to the planes overhead so the dust etc what they've done is and what they're proposing to do with us is put a slab across the top of the uh, gravel pits, continue to mine the gravel um, and then change the space once the gravel has been extracted to logistics and then on top of that put a green and pleasant land in the form of a park. So that's an interesting one and, and it's showing that logistics is, is quite flexible. It doesn't have to be a shed on the side of a motorway. Uh, the next one please, Toby. The, this, is, this is sublime for the ridiculous in a way. This is China. Um, we were looking at this as a site initially, a series of sites. It's in Wuhan, uh, so quite topical. Um, and at the moment, we looked at the screen and said, yeah, we'll look at that. And usually we're dealing in acres and hectares. This is actually 23 square kilometers of logistics. They're not great on logistics in China, so that there's a need. Um, and we thought, crikey, this is, this is the biggest industrial estate in the world possibly, and could be just as, as bad as that if we're not careful. So we again, next slide, please. Um, took took the idea that we would form the green and pleasant land above and keep logistics below. And next slide, please. Um, and that that really gave a hint as to what was what was possible and, and what we had. So that is 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 a massive idea, and that's probably the ultimate idea in terms of out of town uh, logistics in relation to retail. If we go to the next slide, this is quite an interesting fact which underlines the importance of logistics and retail and how logistics is overtaking retail so this is logistics moving into town if you think about it every developer wants a customer the customer like amazon for instance wants to get their stuff to the their customer as soon as possible. The, the old analogy of sitting in a restaurant, this is what Amazon actually is aiming at. You sit in your restaurant, you're ordering food, and at the same time, you're ordering something from Amazon. Uh, by the time you get to the dessert course, you've got the, you've got the object you ordered. This is really what everybody's pushing for, trying to get logistics into towns and cities nearer chimney pots to start getting goods to people sooner. So like it or not, that seems to be the fact. And that has pushed prices up in London, for instance, to 7 million quid an acre. Now, that, that is beyond what retail used to be. And retail used to be commanding the top spot. So it's swapped with retail and it underlines the issues that we have. So I'm sort of setting the scene here. We have logistics, like it or not, coming into town 
how can we as designers repurpose this and try and get it to work uh, with the community? How can we reinvigorate the high streets but still have this idea coming through? Uh, so added in there also London's longest brownfield site. We'll come on to that in a minute. So we go to the next slide. Thanks, Zoe. So, um, so urban logistics, it's here to stay. We've been looking at that in a number of different ways, um, particularly last mile logistics. We've been talking to uh, Jaguar Land Rover at the vehicles to get from a fulfillment center in town, the last 500 meters or whatever to, to your front door, driverless vehicles and so forth. But next slide, please. No doubt about it. We have um, an issue. Online shopping, it looks like it's increasing by almost 100% by 2021. And you can see the figures there. I'll put these figures in for, for later on if anybody wants to download the stuff. Um, next slide, please. But the intensification of urban logistics comes in many forms, and, and we're involved in most of these, and I'll go through some of them. The industrial intensification is, is uppermost. Industrial chic, as we like to call it, is becoming quite, quite the thing at the moment. And it's something, again, I think we as designers should be looking for. Can we bring manufacturing back into our centres, our city centres and our towns. Um, surely people are, after this pandemic, are looking for um, more local produce, less reliant on the supply chain. Everybody's thinking in those sort of, of ways. Can we keep things more local um, so that we, we are uh, more reassured for the future? So, so industrial intensification is, is one thing. River logistics is a big one for us. We, we, I don't understand why it's not possible to use rivers more than we do. I, every time I've ever come across anybody who's involved with a river in an official capacity or a canal or a waterway of any sort, there's been a negative. And I think it's a ridiculous thing. And I'll show you a project we did, which is slightly fanciful, but actually is quite an interesting one for the Thames. Um, sill land, this is industrial land, fantastic opportunity, which I'll go through in a minute. Multi-level, obviously these sites are becoming hugely expensive in town. We're doing a few in London. Therefore, developers are saying, can we stack logistics in multi-levels and look at the problems that might cause you might be next to a, a residential site you how is that going to convey itself or how is that going to communicate with the community difficult and and that's another task but i sort of like the idea it's always easier i think you'll i'm sure you all find the idea that difficult things from a design point of view are usually more rewarding than something that's easy so a difficult site is better than the greenfield site simple as that um, fulfillment centers the way of repackaging stuff in town they've become quite interesting so if we go on to some some examples thanks toby next one um, this is this is one of the jobs that we're doing at the moment for gaisley's the multi-story logistics it's uh, next to the blackwall tunnel um, it's peruvian wharf um, it, it has connections to some extent to the river and we have here a sort of hybrid version the latest it's one of one of its a few that are in London at the moment underway you can see the big warehouse in blue at the back but it's surrounded by uh, removable eventually hopefully uh, ramps that take HGVs up to different layers the, the layer on the front is the start of trying to get these things to work with the community. So we have cafes, art galleries, we have sports facilities on the roof. It's next to the DLR, so it's giving information out to the to the trains that pass the site. So we're we're actually um, we're getting. Crikey, how long have I got? I've almost. Oh, I better get a move on. Okay, moving on. So next one, please, Toby. 
So this is basically, um, if we go back one, sorry, uh, we're now looking at three different types of, of markets here. We've been given the task of moving the London markets into, um, into Barking. Now, this is a combination of the market itself and also the, uh, the idea that we bring the public in and we, we, we actually provide a place of entertainment, a place of culture, um, amenity. Next, please. Uh, this is, we're working with you and I, which is a developer, um, along with OMA, the uh, Dutch architect. And here is a mixture of industrial and logistics. Next slide, please. As you can see here, you can see the residential. To get to the residential, you have to pass through our industrial land. We've had to, we've had to look at that quite cleverly. We've turned it into a village complex on the top. We've used logistics underneath, but the green and pleasant land on top. Next, please. So the future, if we go on to the next one, please. We've looked at different ideas. This is a repurposed car park. It's got logistics underneath. It's got uh, retail front. We've got starters. We've got a garden on top. We've got food production on top. Urban food, very important for us. Next, please. And that's been repurposed um, in a different way by looking at how we can do that in a more attractive way. This is putting back some of the life back into, into our towns and cities. Could this be a, a, live, a brilliant live workplace where you can live and work properly? In the past, it hasn't worked. We've got a, a brilliant garden, which has gone mad on drones here, I admit. But nevertheless, it's another form of transport. Thank you. Next, please. Um, this is the big idea. This was supplying London with uh, food and logistics support via the river and not only have we got warehouses but we've got a green and pleasant land on top producing food next please and this is this is the uh, further story this is the london bridge we put a big a big market on the on the in the middle of the um the bridge which is a wholesale market we've got a public market and we put fields in the river so we've actually got something that is um useful it's a bridge that works not only to get across the river, but you can use it. Um, and it's just another take on use of the river. Thank you. Next, please. Uh, very quickly, this is this is using existing infrastructure. This is the well line. It's a little known uh, possibility. It's a line that sits 70 feet under London and it's connecting spaces. Um, originally used to deliver mail it's got eight stations underneath with shafts to the surface it was a, an award-winning idea for the royal academy competition about brownfield sites we started to with the idea of linking a big logistics center into the well line and to make sure that that then fed this well line and fed different parts of london for different reasons and we managed to get um, beyond the competition winning entry and we've managed to convince a lot of people to support it financially. And we think this is a, a great idea for a logistics link using a conveyor belt, bringing in something like 6,000 parcels an hour. And we can probably get rid of about a third of white vans off the road. That reduces uh, pollution and, and gets people what they want quicker. So it's a, it's a fantastic idea and it needs to be sorted out and done. Next, please. Um, Next one, please. So this is uh, a view of what it passes under Oxford Street. So it gives us the opportunity to 
uh, serve Oxford Street and legitimately pedestrianise Oxford Street. I don't know what the mayor is going to do with all the traffic in his pedestrianisation scheme, but this one does it legitimately. We can supply Oxford Street uh, and we can pedestrianise it and get rid of the traffic that used to supply it. Next, please. And there's just a little view of what it used to look like in 1920, but uh, I've probably talked enough about this one. So if we carry on, uh, I think through the next two as we're running behind time, um, if we go on. Okay, thanks. Well, this is very much a, an animation which um, shows how that whole system would work. It's bringing goods into Paddington. It's putting them up into a warehouse. And from the warehouse, we then go down into the logistics element of it. And this is brilliant because it's not Crossrail. It's not spending billions of pounds putting something new in. It's an existing piece of infrastructure. And it goes with logistics. It's something that can supply in a subliminal way almost without being seen to, to uh, uh, destinations up and down the, uh, the, the capital. And it, literally this, this line runs under the West End. It goes through the city. Um, goes through through the residential areas of the West End. So quite an interesting story. Next, please. Um, this is another competition we won with the Crown Estate along with five others. This is about a club, and this is something to do with all very similar to the idea of um, live work. We've all been thinking about it after the virus. Do we have to be in nine to five in the office? It's clearly not. This was an idea before that happened about logistics, feeding in from underneath we use the well line for that but we're providing a club for people to go to you can go and stay and join this club all those spaces are joined up you could have a hotel there you could have leisure you could meet for a meeting you could stay there for a few days it's a club it's almost a village within a city that was a great idea and i think um it's on on the in the back of everybody's mind that they would like to probably work like this a bit 18th century isn't it you go get into your horse and carriage come up to town do the business in the coffee houses that were owned by by the the companies you were doing business with and then shove off home after doing the deal that's that's sort of where we all are at the moment i think next please um and again next please uh, i can't leave this talk without talking about supermarkets we've done a, a huge amount they're part of this problem how do you reinvigorate supermarkets they're failing at the moment most supermarket chains have got too much space they don't know what to do with it um, and, and people are deserting supermarkets in their droves how can we bring them back next please we looked at this for saver center which is the hypermarket version of sainsbury's 20 years ago and we said to them why don't you reduce the sales area move the back wall between the sales area and the backup area and say actually that could be a warehouse and eventually we could supply uh, houses without even having to have an internet cafe to, to do the ordering so 20 years ago we were talking about that i think we've got got to that point now next please we looked at the circular economy we looked at the way farm warehouse and store works next please and we we tried at the time to make the store a, a wonderful place because they often weren't seen as wonderful places despite the fact everybody went to them when you tried to get a new one it wasn't seen as a great idea because it was sucking the life out of the high street in often often the case so we, we, we took that idea a little stage further bring it up to date next please this was look at the store sort out the store space sort out the logistics everybody's cramming could these places almost become the new high street that's cut to the chase could they become 
a sort of hub, a communal hub, a community hub, which has, yes, has the logistics. That's the commercial driving force. It's sorted out the retail. You reduce the retail space, but you've used these huge car parks, which are underused, for a mixed-use commercial idea. And you put all three things together, and you're getting a com something that's commercially viable, something that works for the retailer and the landlord, probably, but also works for the community as well. Next, please. And this is what we've tried out to do. And th this is a scheme that we did for Cobham, the, Co the saw at Cobham. Next, please. Um, it's just it's uh, basically consolidating at the back the, the basic ideas and, and the basic way that they do business. That leaves space at the front, and we can start repurposing the front. Next, please. So you can see here how we've done that. I don't think we've got time for these, but these are very quick ideas that show how um, we can repurpose these spaces and breathe life back into them. Otherwise, they're going to become dead spaces as well. You might already think they're dead spaces because they've done for the parts of the high street, but we could repurpose these and make them into something that is better for the community. Okay, I don't think we'll have time for that. So next, please. Toby, you'll have to stop me when uh, we're getting near towards the end of it. Paul. Okay, Paul mentioned um, department stores. We're working in Germany, and we have an office in Germany at Dusseldorf, where we're looking at repurposing department stores. So you can see there, three levels of, of residential on the top. We're keeping the theatre of retail, which is what people want. They still want to visit the high street and see things and enjoy things. So we turn retail into more of a theatre. And then at the back, there was a, a, an underused multi-storey car park. That's the logistics element. And right through the middle, is an environmental thermal chimney which drags out and, 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 and gives you natural ventilation. So next, please. And there, there it is. So moving on, next one, please. And again, that's a detailed version of the same thing. And then repurposing car parks. We've looked at car parks. We've seen how they can be changed. And the next one, please. We're one, at the moment looking at a car park below Drury Lane Theatre, which is five stories down. We've turned it into a dark hotel, and that's in for a pre-app at the moment. Next, please. Some of the illustrations are there. Um, I think if we carry on, a couple more, and then we're almost finished. Um, this one, if we stay on this one, this is a, a mega scheme that we're doing in China at the moment, again in Wuhan. It's sorting out uh, the pollution in the lakes. It's a city of 100 lakes, quite an unusual feature, and it's sorting out the pollution. But under this is logistics. So it's a in a way, a green and pleasant land on top, sorting out the environmental problems, but it's actually being fed from below with logistics. Um, I think we're more or less there. I think in conclusion, I'm, what I'm trying to say is there is a juggernaut coming into town, which is logistics. However, it could be the savior, a commercial savior for a lot of retail spaces. And if carefully handled, we as designers can use our imagination to try and breathe life into the retail sector, but most importantly, breathe life into our communities. An opportunity uh, lies there, and that's the end of my piece. So thank you for listening. Laurie, Laurie thank you very much for that. Um, that was a real whistle-stop to around probably 80 different ideas. Um, very, very engaging. And um, the, the first two things I take from that is the significant opportunities that exist, firstly, uh, below ground, and then secondly, in stacking uses, which were previously regarded as uh, single story only. 
and just taking that yeah. business about below ground first, because I remember your 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 Crown Estate uh, proposition for Regent Street and London's West End, and you were exploiting the fact um, that London had a very good underground delivery system used by the post office, uh, which was a sort of underground uh, rail system, which which uh, kind of abandoned rather remarkably. And in a way, you were sort of just reviving 19th century ideas um, when, when, when the post was mainly mail rather than parcels from Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic opportunity and, and one that's sitting there. It's been mothballed by, uh, I think it was Boris, and made sure that that, that that was maintained. So the post office own it, Royal Mail own it. And it's a huge opportunity uh, to serve London, take white vans off the road or a good proportion of them, reduce pollution, increase health and actually serve. You could even build from the line. So in other words, if it pops up somewhere in, say, Whitechapel and there's a, a, a you could bring goods along or uh, building materials along the line up. You can also take waste pro product away. So if you have a manufacturing idea, you bring stuff in, you make your stuff from the line and you put your finished product down the line back to the market, and you also put your waste products down the line back to the market. Now, these, these underground spaces are all over the place. There's definitely one in Birmingham. Uh, there are lots of things. It's not just rail lines. There are, there are all sorts of tunnels and underground spaces that, that can serve and help repurpose some of these spaces. And is your assumption that what you call theatre retail would be the the sort of primary um, engagement um, with with shoppers and visitors on these major streets, and that actually the the logistics of delivery to their homes would, would continue would continue to be done remotely, as it were, or, or or is there an implication that you include big big distribution warehouses actually in the middle of town? Well, I think inevitably there are going to be these these centres, consolidation centres, they call it, um, in town. And that, that gives the biggest challenge to uh, designers, I think. Um, how do you accommodate some of these big things? But interestingly, Paul, uh, agents and uh, up until now have, have said, no, we've got to have HGVs going up to these multi-storey. And of course, that's huge problems. If you're next to residential, the lights, the noise... And the sheer, metaphorically speaking, logistics of this is, is, but they're changing their tune. So often agents take a while to, to adjust the way of thinking. They're now looking at automated, coming in just on the ground, using automated systems. You can rely on lifts. So there is hope there that some of these big warehouses will, will start to reduce in size and, and mass. But I think some of the, the other ideas, the idea of creating theatre in retail, so that you can visit a sort of more of a leisure experience in, in the high street. Um, but it's still got this driving commercial force, which you always need. It's all very well coming up with great ideas for the high street, but you need a commercial. The commercial reality has to be there. And, and is it logistics that is going to help help that rather than hinder it? The other thing I was struck by was the way in which the intensity and sort of densification um, of some of the city work contrasts with where you've got these huge open spaces in the Chinese projects. But my feeling is that you, would, you were sort of transplanting the idea of a sort of urbanism um, from the one location, even though you had uh, endless space and that you were 
perhaps providing a bit more landscape, but actually the, the feel of the spaces wouldn't be so different. Yes, that's for sure. I suppose it is. I, I just think that um, the prospect for anybody living or working there is always important, whether it's going to be in town or out of town. So the idea of, of creating a lovely space, even though it's in a in a vast piece of land, and you're right, that's always more difficult, in my opinion. What's the solution for a, a, a greenfield site? Whereas in town, you're going to have Newham Council telling you you can't do that, or, or surely we should be celebrating this building or something. You're not going to get that in China. So you have to apply your own discipline in a way. Um, you get different sorts of discipline problems in China, but it's it's not always about uh, the legacy uh, and what's going to happen afterwards. And, and that's what we like to try and bring to it if we can. The other thing that landscape is always strongly featured in um, the ideas around your work, and I wonder um, what your thoughts are about the kind of greening of or landscaping uh, of buildings in these intense city situations. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Uh, we've all seen sort of mad schemes about uh, a landscape in town and they often get criticised. Um, I first of all think landscape and landscape architects and architects should be working much more closely together. I feel, uh, I think it's a shame that we come up with a, often come up with a, a landscape, uh, an architectural scheme and then, oh, we must put in some landscape or, and it's the same thing happens with art, you know, uh, or we've got 2% of the budget to, let's, who can we think of? It should all be done together. So I, I do think that that's a, a, an interesting point. But there is brilliant urban landscape uh, design, which uh, does work with, with these spaces. Um, I think sometimes there is a mistake where you're trying to bring stuff from the countryside that would be probably working in, in, a, in a bigger area to try and fit it in shoehorn into the into urban situations. But I think that's the skill of the uh, skill of the team, really. And working more closely together would be a much better idea, I think. And I suppose those things come together, or the architecture and the landscape, in, in your gravel pits project um, outside Heathrow, um, which is an extraordinary logistical procedure all of its own. I mean, creating the raft, continuing exca mining excavation underneath, growing a landscape uh, on top. Um, how did this come about? Is this a competition winner? Is it an enlightened client? I think it's an enlightened client, but it's also um, uh, our reputation in the end, because I think there was, a, there was a scheme that was going through it. And we, we combined the environmental side. We have got a history through the Chelsea Flower Show for a bit of landscaping. And, and we, we do understand logistics. And so I think when we pitched for it, it turned out to be a competition, you're right, after the first phase. And, and we, we won the job. So uh, we're, now, we're now working with them, and it's, it's a nice combination. Lovely note to end on. Laurie Chetwood, very engaging presentation. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks.